They are trying to determine whether Amazon's actually broken the law and I being anti-competitive or harmed consumers primarily. Smart e-commerce operators know that net profit is the lifeblood of a business, but at a small and profitable business than a large one which earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook by Jason Miles gives you 17 specific proven profit-taking actions. For a limited time, we are sharing this valuable resource with our listeners completely free. Download your 60-page workbook and start making your business more profitable today. Just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. That's theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. Let's jump in. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking today about the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, and Amazon. Not your average topic, but it is something that has kind of been the elephant in the sort of looming at the edge of the room, and now it's in the room. And so, basically, the FTC has. Uh, taken Amazon to court has, has lost a complaint in the legal sense of the word complaint, alleging all kinds of abuse of their power and fundamentally that they are creating or have created a monopoly with lots of bad effects on consumers, third party sellers, and indeed the competition, other e-commerce platform provi- providers. So I thought we'd better get into this. And Jason's agreed wisely or unwisely, oh I don't know. So we're going to plunge <laughs> into this deep topic. This is obviously a massively important topic, and Amazon is the Godzilla of e-commerce operations. And so what happens there, of course, is incredibly important. I'm interested as well as not only the American version of this occurrence, but also the European activities that are occurring that are similar in the courts or whatever. So is, is that also, you're up to speed on all of it, I'm sure. There's a part of yeah, it. I don't think there's anything much going on in the UK. There is, however, the CMA, the Competitions Emergers Authority or Monopolies Authority here, has been taking Microsoft to task. So they mm-hmm. have got their eye on big tech here as well. And Europe has got its eye on various things, including certain chat GPT type functions or meta things. I think threads, for example, that just is not available in the European Union yeah. or UK because that's been dealt with. So in, in the broader sense, yes. And in the, in the narrow sense of Amazon, no, not yet. Okay. So then tell us a bit more about why do you think this is happening now? What's the context and all that? Sure. So this is a, a Brit telling an American what's going on in his country. So do you correct me if you know better? But my understanding is that there's been a sort of political buildup of feeling in the US, not only in the US, but particularly important because obviously that's where these big tech companies are based. So they have more power they have bigger percentage of the user base and so forth. Uh, so the politicians in Congress have been making a lot of noises more and more uh, across the last couple of administrations, really, that big tech needs reining in. They've obviously had Mark Zuckerberg in and done maybe a mediocre job of quizzing him if, if big tech and you've watched these things. Lena Khan is the head of the FTC, and she actually, when she was a student, so fairly recently in 2017, wrote a paper about Amazon and why it was uh, pretty much abusing its position. So She's had a personal be in her bonnet about Amazon, and she's now this head of the FTC. So you can't help thinking there's a little bit of a personal, not a personal axe to grind, but she's got a, a, a particular professional interest in this. 
It would be nice to think as well that the lobbying by the third-party sellers led by people like Paul Raffelson, Raffelson and, and other such people has had an impact. I'm not quite sure how big an impact that's had, but that's part of the overall scene. So that's yeah. a bit of a part of the overall background. And just to give a bit of context, as we we're implying at the beginning, there's been antitrust action against Microsoft and Meta and the, the Department of Justice, the DOJ in the U US is also taking action against Google. So it's part of a wider trend as well. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I, crypto, of course, plays into this as well. That's been sort of the prominent element in the news lately is all of the back and forth related to, I guess you could say, regulatory control of crypto and and how that'll play out. I heard one interesting perspective on all of this. I think it was after Zuckerberg was, was interviewed or went to Congress or whatever. And somebody's commentary was, there's a lot of people who will basically say in the industry, yes, what we're doing is a lot of gray area and yes, it needs to be regulated and, and the government should come in and regulate it. And somebody pointed out that obviously that is a strategy that the, the, the incumbent who's scaled massively to the first position and sort of the market dominant position would use once they have dominance so that regulatory burdens and hurdles and frustrations are imposed onto the operators in the in the space and it really suppresses competition ultimately and it really hurts the little guys trying to start up because there's a whole bunch of bureaucracy that they have to comply with whereas the early adopters who scaled quick at the beginning had no such regulatory hurdles they were in the gray spaces and they made magic happen and they got huge it's kind of interesting idea that there's always a mixed motive when people say yes this should be a higher more clearly regulated space who's saying it and why are they saying it and is it ultimately to their benefit to have that occur i don't know what your thought is on that but it's kind of interesting as yeah. all this plays out you know i think you make a really wise point I, I think one is chess sophisticated strategic thinking which amazon is i would say that as a company and jeff bezos as a founder still around as a chairman they're the masters of it i mean par excellence and then there's the opposite, which is the law of unintended consequences, that politicians who are not necessarily uh, as people individually stupid, it's hard to know, but they say a lot of dumb things, probably because their publics in, in the US and the UK and anywhere else demand them to say dumb things because the public's led by sometimes the, the public face of the public, shall we say, the media, it's led by emotions and simplistic answers to complex problems. And then you get the law yeah. of unintended consequences, exactly what yeah. you just said, which is the irony is the public pushes for more regulation. It gets the regulation and that hits the little guys that's excluding them from the market. And that, that happens all the time with, it could be anything to do with GDPR compliance. When you've got to go and uh, jump through a bunch of hoops, the big companies have a set of lawyers that just deal with that. The small companies, you're up till one in the morning trying to figure out if your website is GDPR compliant. And you're right. Unfortunately, yeah. a lot of these things don't work the way they're supposed to at all. They work the opposite way. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit more about when this all kicked off and then Let's get into some of the specific complaints, I guess you could say, that are being accused or charged on Amazon because they are interesting for us as e-commerce sellers. There is real grist for the mill here to talk about in terms of how these marketplaces operate or in particular Amazon operates. I think it, it's very practical, actually, as you look at some of the examples yeah. of concern. So when did it all start and, and 
all of that. So, I mean, like all these things, uh, there is going to be a grinding long process probably. So phase one, as somebody put it, it's not officially what it's called, I think, is that they are trying to determine whether Amazon's actually broken the law and I've been anti-competitive or harmed consumers primarily. And I, the complaint was filed in late September, I think about the 26th. So we're speaking now mid-October. And the next phase, if Amazon is found guilty of breaking the law or laws, then what actions will be taken? And by the way, federal level actions, but also I think there were 17 states involved. Some of the usual suspects, New York state always seems to be involved in these. Amazingly, California didn't seem to be involved. It, it seems very fond of regulating e-commerce, but actually wasn't involved in this one. Washington state, your state, well, was your former home state and Amazon's home is not involved. One wonders whether perhaps Amazon had some good friends in the, in the legislature. I'm not sure. I have no evidence for that, by the way. So that's the, the next question is what happens. And, and one of the obvious questions is, will Amazon be broken up? That's actually quite rare, I think, in antitrust or, or anti-competitive law history. Obviously, the antitrust law was put in place because of Standard Oil and, and I think Rockefeller, if I got the right person, back, I think, 120 odd years ago, something like that, 110 years ago. And that was that did lead to the breakup of a massive, huge, obviously, clearly a monopoly into some pretty major companies. It is not something that I think the legal experts seem to feel is likely, more likely they'll impose a bunch of regulation. And as you said, then that will have a lot of unintended consequences. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so let's talk specifically about what it is the heart of the concern that it's mm. not just that they're big. Like, and I don't think that's the, that's not the cause for concern. And so l let's talk about the first party versus third party seller tension there. I think that's sort of the, the biggest rub in my view. You want to I think it is for us as e-commerce sellers, that is the biggest thing. I think that the yeah. FTC is kind of in the broader language they're putting out, bundling together the, the consumers and the third party sellers, uh, an effect on them, but they have split it up. And amazingly, the, the FTC's complaint, legal documents are normally pretty unreadable, but that the, the table of contents makes interesting reading because it's actually pretty clear and simple and as it? to what they feel is going on. So the areas are Amazon operations and its monopoly power, both of which they feel need addressing. So let's take the operations first. I mean, the, the third party marketplace versus first party retail, there's mm. multiple things around there, none of which is new, but it has a bit of teeth behind it. For example, does Amazon prefer its own products in terms of showing them on a marketplace? Mm. Does it prefer third party sellers that comply with its own rules and so on and so forth? Three other areas that they are particularly looking at, Amazon's advertising services, and obviously the question of whether they are charging a heck of a lot of money and benefiting Amazon and not benefiting third-party sellers and driving at consumer prices, all of which we can discuss because I have some views on those. Amazon Prime, particularly forcing sellers or sort of quasi-forcing third-party sellers to get Amazon Prime because otherwise you don't get, you can't get ranked very easily. Um, for search results and then fulfillment by Amazon as then again, are they oh, like, actually basically are accusing Amazon of, of coercing people into using FBA mm -hmm. again, because then mm -hmm. you don't get prime budget wise, you don't get ranking. So nothing that any third party seller wouldn't told you yeah. a few years ago, but it is yeah. actually being articulated by a government agency. And I think they have very good points. So that's the first area of that. Any, any thoughts or responses on that? Yeah, I mean, the first party versus third party seller tension is interesting to me. And I, I realize people who are steeped in Amazon selling understand exactly what this is. But for those who maybe sell on Shopify, 
or other platforms, maybe it's worth um, mentioning. I'll mention this one little anecdote and you can kind of tell me how, what your thoughts on it are. I was at a conference event last week and just sat down next to a guy whose background was he worked at Walmart for many years and then he moved on to other pursuits. And we were talking about e-commerce and I mentioned how people who sell on Amazon third-party marketplace, you know, frequently have the complaint or the indus- in the industry, there's the complaint that Amazon will just see what you're doing, see the data, and then go source the product itself and sell it directly. And he said, well, they learned that from Walmart. And he started giving me all the specific <laughs> details about the, the pre-Amazon version of all of that was, in his view, Walmart would sell through any product and as soon as they saw velocity, they would literally go to China and say, make us this item. And then they'd cut out the third-party seller, in essence, in their system and the wholesale manufacturing provider and go straight to their own branded product for the customers. And so it was interesting to hear sort of that old school version was perfected or refined at Walmart originally, and then Amazon adopted question is, is it illegal? And Mm. it's obviously horribly, horribly unkind, I would say, to the the seller who gets the shaft. And and that's the real heart and soul of it. I would just frame it this way. It'd be interesting to see your point of view on it. I would frame it as this is the the real underlying issue is Amazon created a third-party marketplace for the purpose of quickly scaling up 25 years ago or whenever it was, 20 years ago, to try to win dominance in, as, as an e-commerce leader. And they did that by partnering with many, many people who could come into the marketplace. And then another tension emerged. The tension, the secondary, the second order tension on Amazon was profitability. And somehow, somewhere inside their system, people started to say we could be more profitable if we just looked at our data and started selling direct to consumer first party these items. Now, if that's if that is what they're doing, and I don't have any firsthand experience with that them doing that, but if that is what they're doing, I would just say it was a misguided requirement to have profit inside their company emerge from the first party, third party marketplace. And that tension for profit is really the heart of the issue. They obviously have AWS and other revenue streams that are scaling. The problem is I don't think those add enough money to the party to make a difference. AWS is getting there, obviously. but So they had to come up with other things like Prime and AWS to generate profit. And I think if they could go back in time, they probably would have never done that. I'm, or that Walmart trick. Of saying, hey, what sells really well? Let's sell it direct first party. Um, but I could be wrong. But I, I would imagine that's probably part of the tension here at sort of the 30,000 foot level. Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trust framework revolutionize your company. 
The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. Okay, so I got lots to say on this. So first of all, very interesting to hear that Walmart did it first. And by the way, Walmart did a lot of things first. So I think Amazon was smart enough to pinch the person who did all the fulfillment and warehousing for Walmart and bring them over to Amazon because at a certain point, I guess in the early 2000s, something like that, Amazon was not as good as Walmart at doing that. And and they had to really, really, really iterate on what they were doing because all Walmarts were excellent at sending out fairly standardized sized packages in and pallets and bulk to a lot of stores from a centralized warehouse. And of course, going directly to the consumer is way more sophisticated. But they started with that. Now, so my my thoughts on this. Number one, this is a common paranoia by Amazon sellers. I don't think it's very guide very I think it's it's old hat. I think it was mm-hmm. a problem. I think Amazon's realized, and this is based on some sort of sleuthing by a, another fellow Brit, so based in Washington himself, Robin Guster, who I had on as a guest, who is a kind of bit of a Washington insider, as much as a Brit can be, I suppose. And he did an investigation into Amazon as a company as a whole and tried to dig out where the profit centers and where the cost centers were because they don't reveal it in in any of their documentation. And his conclusion was pretty simple. that Every time Amazon sells anything as a first party, it loses money. And Amazon has figured this out because they're not dumb people. And they actually aren't very interested in private labeling stuff that third-party sellers do because third-party sellers do often a better job of it. But even if they don't, the business of charging somebody a, a toll fee being on your marketplace, such as an Amazon commission and or obviously the advertising spend is way more profitable than right. shipping goods all around the world and having to pay for all that infrastructure and pay for the goods themselves every single time. So they figured out, I think, that that was a losing yeah. game. Now, yeah. I'm not sure because I haven't read all 170 pages of the complaint, how mm-hmm. much the FTC is harping on that. But if they yeah. do, I think it's a real red herring because it probably was historically a problem. And I don't think it's going to be ever again because amazon doesn't want to lose that money so how uh, they, how like that phrase like the like the well i'll just use i'll just say it directly i won't use some silly metaphor i think the original issue here could be traced back to one classically famous incident and that's the diapers.com acquisition and the the big big beef between mark lore who, who fe- ultimately founded jet.com now that is such a well-documented drama and is it puts amazon in such bad light that i think they could literally be being getting punished for something that they did 15 years ago whenever it was the that's i I, to me i I just wonder because it's such well it's such a huge lore story now the guy's name is mark lore but laurie i don't know but it is such a it's it's very very seared into the mind of people that story of how he basically he created diapers.com. He didn't want to sell to Amazon. They competed with him. Then ultimately they bought diapers.com. And and then then when he created jet.com, he really became a master at competing, made something that actually worked well. And then he became, that got acquired by Walmart. So that whole intrigue piece between that origin story of the original drama there and then how his careers played out against or opposed you know, to Amazon. I think it, all of that being so public is probably one of the things that it just lingers. I mean, just people hear that stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. it's out there. I think 
what happens with things like that is that you get a big news story. The politicians have to react because the public they serve is reacting, or at least their perception is that they are, because the media is yeah. kind of everything's put through the, the prism of media, never mind social media, which is even right. worse at distorting right. everything. And then you end up with politicians pushing federal people who want to make a name for themselves. And, and none of this is terrible behavior or evil, by the way. I'm not a conspiracy mm. theorist most of the time. I just think human beings act in their own interests. And if you put them into political yeah. situations or whatever, then they'll act certain ways. And, and, and often the underlying problem is, is ancient history by the time they address yeah. it. Right. Law, law is often that way, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, don't forget there's still people getting arrested for, for war crimes in the Nazi era just about. They're mm. very, very, very old people. So the, the law can be very behind the time. So I yeah. think it's a massive red herring. And I think the, the other ones that they are, that, that really affect the third party sellers. And I think you could maybe argue that affect the consumers is Amazon's advertising services. I think that the red herring of the first party seller thing is massive because Amazon loses money every damn time it sells anything to anyone that it owns. And that doesn't surprise me because it's easy to do that as a third party seller. We've all done that. And whereas if you own a platform, which is the de facto entry to the internet discuss for e-commerce, then people will pay an awful lot of money to get visibility. And we do, and it's called advertising. And you're lucky if you can get your advertising sales ratio down to 15% now. And, and so and the, specific, bottom line, the, spe you know? the specific claim there is that somehow having advertising be available to third-party sellers and in essence, having that be the way in which you gain velocity and exposure is somehow wrong to have an advertising tool. I think what tool? they're saying is that, I mean, I haven't read all the detail from what I have read. I think that they're basically saying that the quality of the experience for consumers is degraded because there's such a big percentage of the search results is sponsored and so not uh -huh. necessarily driven by being a good match, which I think is true. And also that they are forcing sellers to pay more and more money and Amazon is profiting, but the sellers are not and the consumers are not, which I, I would say is hard to argue with because it, <laughs> insofar as you can run the numbers, they are getting a bigger and bigger percentage of the money that's going through the system without <laughs> any obvious benefit to consumers. Think before the internet, and at least in the US, I don't know, I have it in the UK, but in the US, the only thing that you had to find businesses whatsoever was the yellow pages. The entire thing is pay to play. I mean, you know, like, it's an advertising tool yeah. to get your message yeah. out there. So well, how there you can go. somebody I'm sure be that Amazon will, will feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, discuss. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, but I mean, the whole internet is is going towards pay, pay to play, play. As, as would naturally be the case. Sure. But what percentage are you spending? And these are yeah. th these are the waters. I mean, Amazon's got some very robust defenses against all this, which we haven't even sure. mentioned. I mean, yeah. we can talk about Amazon's response in a minute, and and we can unpick that. I think that'd be quite interesting. I think the fulfillment by Amazon thing, again, this is where uh, the FTC is basically saying it's creating a quasi-monopoly, which I don't think is wrong necessarily, by making a lot of people or effectively forcing them pretty hard in the direction of using fulfilled by Amazon, not other fulfillment networks. However, yeah. I would say in that case, the reason for that is because things like the Royal Mail, which has been in existence for longer than America has probably in the UK, hasn't yet learned how to deliver parcels on time rather like our rail system, which was the first in the world, and we still can't get trains to run. At yeah. some point, maybe in the Victorian era, it worked, but uh, there's about a 1% error rate with the Royal Mail, which is horrendous if you sell thousands of units a day or a week or whatever, whereas Amazon is incredible at fulfillment. So I would yeah. say FBA is a quasi kind of monopoly within the Amazon system, but it works incredibly well. So I think that serves yeah. consumers and sellers pretty well. And I think uh, this is one of the places where the FTC is making a rod for their own back because they're criticizing things 
that work incredibly well in some cases for consumers. And in this case, I think the fulfillment by Amazon for consumers and sellers. And they're therefore handing the defense team at Amazon a great gift. And I think this is one of them. Yeah, I would totally agree that it seems like an odd thing to pick on. The The story that comes to my mind was my sister-in-law is visiting us right now from Alaska. And so I don't know how we got on the topic of Amazon and buying things from Amazon yesterday around the dinner table. But she said for people in Alaska, the way it works is if you buy something from Amazon, that it all the product goes to some barge somewhere they all know this is like everybody in alaska knows this is how it works and they, they think it's in alaska in uh, seattle that the barge the location so all the items go to the barge and then the barge sets sail for alaska and then it goes up there and then your items are delivered she said it's usually like 10 days to two weeks to get your items there is no like next day delivery or anything like that in alaska for amazon so i mean if you're at Amazon and you're trying to solve these problems, it's kind of like you make a genius system that literally changes people's lives. I mean, what's so amazing to me now that I'll, I'll say to Cinnamon, we should get, drive to Sacramento so I can go to Half Price Bookstore because I want to look for a few books. She's like, you can order them on Amazon and they'll be here in a couple hours. I'm like, oh, yeah, never mind. I guess we don't need to go to the, the city to look at the bookstore. But, but they're solving these problems for us. And then I just, I don't, I don't see the logic. And I mean, maybe the people in Alaska could have a class action lawsuit against Amazon because they don't get next day delivery and they want it to be faster. But to say that there's somehow a monopolistic system involved in delivering items quickly seems sort of funny to me. So well, like, thank see, you I very think, much. Like, yes, well, what I'm else would you like me to do for you? Thing. you know? So I think there are two, and this is the fascinating thing about the Amazon situation, because um, I think it is monopolistic, personally, and, and I'm not a lawyer, so we'll see what the lawyers argue between them. But I think there's a difference between that and is it harmful? Now, I think right. what's interesting is that normally monopoly harms competition, and generally that pushes prices up by the mechanism of supply and demand determining price. But I don't think that's the case with Prime um, necessarily, I, sorry, with uh, Fulfilled by Amazon. And so that comes down to the sort of legal principle of monopoly versus free trade yeah. versus the practical harm. And I think there is a, a, a distinction in that particular case, which probably brings us to Amazon's response. I mean, I'll, I'll talk a bit more about the FTC's other complaints, some of which I think are more, more valid. But Amazon's uh, rebuttal, it unsurprisingly says, we're proud of what we do. We've helped spur low prices, innovation and competition. And we intend to keep doing that. We fundamentally disagree with the FTC's allegations, which in many cases wrong or misleading, and with that overreaching approach to antitrust, which has harmed consumers, hurt independent businesses, and upend longstanding and well-considered doctrines. I mean, in a sense, what else would a, would a defendant say? But I think there's, I would say, a really big difference. If, we, if I cut it into the bits that make the most sense for me, harm to consumers is a is a hard thing to prove, I think, because they have got a lot of low prices, and as you say, incredibly quick delivery. As a consumer, my experience of Amazon is pretty much 100% positive. Yeah. In terms of, is it overreaching for them to say that it's hurting third-party sellers? It's it's not historically been the role of an antitrust legislation or monopolism mergers um, in the UK to say that we're there to protect small businesses. Now, obviously, I'm a small business owner, and so mm -hmm. are you, and, and so I have, my heart is with those people. And is that overreaching or is it good? I personally feel it's good, but it's an interesting legal question. 
Yeah. If it is not overreaching, if that is legitimate, I would say that is where the heart of the matter lies. You know, is Amazon taking an inordinate percentage more and more off of the profits of third-party sellers? Yes, I would say I would agree with that. The FTC says in many cases it's 50%. I think based on what I've seen, that's accurate based on the, the P&Ls I've reviewed of possible businesses I've considered buying or mm-hmm. my, my clients. And I think at some point that is the frog getting boiled and people either going to jump or somebody's got to intervene. So I think for me, that's the heart of the matter, really. Hey, folks, thank you for listening to another episode of The E-Commerce Leader. Um, Amazon and the FTC, apart from being good theater, quite a big drama on a large scale, I think it's important for us not so much to get wrapped up in uh, politics or even the news in general, but to think as e-commerce operators how this might change the landscape going forwards and how we might change our behavior, our response to it as well. So it's kind of clear that the federal government is um, taking on Amazon in quite a major way on multiple fronts. And uh, the questions really are what that changes for us. I think really uh, this is too early to tell what the outcome is, but it's certainly going to be interesting to see what changes come down the pike. As Jason has said already, Sadly, that doesn't always mean that it's going to be better for us if we have to comply comply with, um, you know, some things that we uh, don't yet have to comply with. That might not be so good. Um, but we we shall see what comes out of the mix. But what is interesting is to consider how much Amazon is a monopoly, and if so, what can we do about it? If you're a third party seller on Amazon right now, there are other marketplaces available, and there are other ways of getting visibility. Again, I would just flag up that it's not all one thing or doesn't have to be one thing amazon can be your source of traffic it can be your source of sales the sales pages and uh, fulfillment it doesn't have to be all those things um there are the things like tiktok which is becoming a very cheap place at the moment for clicks at the time of um recording a cheap place for for advertising to drive potentially sales on the Amazon platform. It will be interesting to see how over time that might develop and you might uh, cut Amazon out of the picture and so on and so forth. So one to keep an eye on, I think, and uh, to be aware of the overall environment within which we operate um, so that we can position ourselves to take advantage of things rather than being blindsided by them. Uh, I hope that was interesting. We'll continue this discussion next time. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast player of your choice. Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company. The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. That was the E-Commerce Leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. We offer you free help on our website, including PDFs, videos, and mini courses on topics like traffic, product, and sales channels. Some are for Amazon, most are for any sales channel. 
To get those and to stay up to date with our podcasts, go to www.theecommerceleader.com. Thanks for listening.